Good morning. Tell you what, the heat works up here. I don't know about y'all, I, I can feel that. Starting to feel like summer, even though it's like 30 degrees outside. <laughs> let's, uh, let's open in prayer this morning. Father, we worship you, we praise you, we love you. And Lord, as was proclaimed and declared in worship, we just give everything to you. You want our heart? You got it. Help that to be every day, every moment of every day. Not just Sunday morning, not just Tuesday night, not just in our devotion time, but every moment. That's what it means for you to have our heart. It means that you are our primary focus. You are everything. Father, we worship you and we give you that. Father, I give you my, my mouth, my hands, my feet. I give you my will. My desire, as the desire is of each person here and each person listening, is that they hear from you, not me. I ask that you fill my mouth with your words through your Holy Spirit, not my own. Do your will this morning as we seek you, Father. We seek in confidence, knowing that you said we will find you. I thank you for each person here, and I thank you for each person online, and those who will listen to this later online. I thank you for each one, Father, and what you're doing in their hearts. I thank you for the friends that you are connecting us with all over the world. In Kenya, in Pakistan, in India. Father, we say your will be done. Unite our hearts in you. So that your bride becomes a force because of your power and your love that Satan cannot handle. In fact, he runs from and cowers from. I've seen it. Unite your bride. We thank you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is, is a special day. It marks an anniversary that you're probably not aware of. It marks a five-year anniversary of when Leah was abducted by Boko Haram in Nigeria. We've talked about her before. The reason she comes to my heart today and I speak of her today is 
because it is the five-year anniversary, and of all the girls that were taken, I believe 120 in all or 115, she is the only one that was never released. Because she stood up and said, I will not denounce my Savior Jesus. We know this because of eyewitnesses of the girls that were released, that were Muslim girls. They were the ones that spoke of her testimony in the face of certain death, saying, no, no, I won't renounce my Savior. And there are many stories like that. We have a young man that is coming into our ministry that we were able to interview this last time. I think I told you about him. So these stories, although here seem pretty out there, pretty, I don't want to say far-fetched, but certainly not what we experience here in this society. But yet there, they are all too real and not uncommon. So even to this day, Leah has not renounced her faith. Five years. So we're going to pray for her this morning together, unified. I was texted this morning by Dr. Gloria, who heads up the Leah Foundation, and she was making me aware of, of a prayer time that they were having globally that unfortunately fell within the time that we're doing church. So I couldn't be on the call, I couldn't be on the Zoom call, but I said, we will pray as a church. We will pray unified, this very same prayer that they're praying together. So let's do that together this morning. And for those online, if you see this later, bow and pray with me, even if it's later. Stand in unity and in agreement with this prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you that even under the face of absolute adversity, your face can be found. Joy can be found. Peace can be found. No matter what is swirling around us, Paul proved this to be true in his own life, that we have been able to read and reap the benefits of, and many others. Father, we lay before you Leah, who is one of those, who has so trusted in her Savior that she literally gave up everything gave up potentially her own life to not deny who her Savior is and not deny what He did on the cross for not only her, but for all of your creation. Father, it has been five years. Today marks the day of the fifth year. And yet, 
There is no change in her status. There is no freedom in her life, in her circumstances. Father, we come before you as a church and we unify with those who have been praying all throughout Africa. We pray in unity for her release. The local authorities may have no power to do this. But that's not the power that we're calling upon. We ask you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom she held up in the face of certain death, we ask that she be released. We ask that However you decide to do it, it is done for your glory. Father, you can reach the heart that no man can reach. I pray even this commandant, who is now her husband, who is the head of I guess his base or whatever it is. I'm not sure of the hierarchy, but he is one of the top in Boko Haram. Father, even his heart you can reach. And Father, we just pray, however you, you decide to do it, you bring freedom to her that we would all be able to rejoice with her in. Thank you for her testimony, and God, help it not to end here, but help it to be the beginning of a testimony and a life that is spread throughout the world. Give her a voice, Father. We pray in unity as a church here and all those online. We pray unified with the bride throughout the world who is speaking this very prayer today. We pray in confidence of what you're going to do. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week has been interesting. I think I told you last week, uh, I I was incensed by the previous weekend, the previous Sunday, the Grammys. And you, you guys all, I talked to you about that last week. And what I couldn't say last week is what I knew the Lord was going to have me do. Friday of last week, not two days ago, but the week before, the Lord had told me and confirmed that he would be sending me to California. But I wasn't to tell anybody. I thought, not even my wife? He said, not even your wife. He said, not until I tell you to tell her. And so I left Monday morning really early. Left Monday morning and was out in California I got back Thursday morning. 
And some of you know, those, those who were at the gifts meeting uh, yesterday, you, you knew what was going on. We talked about it a little bit. But I want to share this with you because it ties in to things that are going on in the world. It ties into Asbury. It ties into revival. It ties into what God is beginning to bring all throughout, not just the United States, but all over. We're going to start to see things rise up like Asbury. And we're going to talk about that this morning. I was sitting with the Lord about that this morning. But I want to tell you just a little something about this trip. Because going out there, I didn't know what all it meant. And, and, I mean, that's kind of par for the course. You guys know that. I'm just to step obediently in what he wants me to do. Um, I, I, I felt it had something to do with the feelings I had regarding what happened at the Grammys. I mean, I, I knew it wasn't just to go out and go surfing, which would have been cool because I literally two hours from there is where I learned how to surf as a kid. And spent I think we spent eight years in California, Southern California. But it wasn't to do that. By the way, the water was really cold. Yes, I did test it. Um it was way too cold to go surfing, way too cold to do anything. But what the Lord wanted me to do when I landed on the ground there, I knew it was about a declaration. He showed me where I was to go, which I didn't even know the place existed. I didn't know what it was. Uh, he just showed me on a map. It was this observatory, and I mean... Once I got up there, I, I understood what it was. It's like a planetarium, you know, where they have the telescopes and stuff. But it literally overlooks everything. And so I, he, he took me a couple other places. I, I rented a car because I knew I'd be going all over the place. He took me a couple of places. Took me The very first place he took me was where the Grammys were held, at the crypto arena. And... Like, I drove by there, and, I mean, I didn't feel like I was supposed to jump out of the car and start screaming or anything, <laughs> even though in my, in my heart, that's what I wanted to do. He took me there. Then he took me to, this is an icon in, in, uh, in Hollywood. You, you have all probably seen it, the Capitol Records building. You know, that round building and... All that. He took me there. Same thing there. You know, I, I, he didn't have me do anything. He just had me go there. Took me to the, can't remember what it's called. It's the Chinese theater. Um, is it, is it, I know it used to be Grom, and now it's like TLC or something like that, is what it says on the map. I, I used to always call it Grommin. But anyways, it's, it's the one out where all the stars are on the walk, which I think is funny because their stars are there and just people are walking all over them. Isn't that kind of humorous to you? You know, it, it, yeah, I, I would think if, if, you, if you had a star, you probably wouldn't want people walking all over it, right? Whatever. He took me there. 
And he did take me up to the observatory, and, and I'm thinking when I parked, I'm thinking, okay, here's the declaration. He hadn't given me the declaration yet, but here it is. Okay, so I'm, I'm up there, and I'm looking at all the sites, and it was so smoggy that day. If you know anything about California, um, the smog will come in until it's blown out, and then when it's blown out, everything's so clear. This was heavily smoggy day. And, uh, but California, it's, Southern California is amazingly beautiful. You have the beach, but then you have mountain ranges right alongside. You have small ones like where I was, was in Santa Monica. And then you have the Santa Monica Mountains. But then beyond that, you have the Sierra Mountains. And I, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. The place is beautiful. So I'm up there and I'm walking around and I'm looking and it's smoggy and you could kind of make out L.A. and you could kind of make out Santa Monica. You can't see, can't see the ocean to save your life. It's too, too smoggy for that. And I'm walking around and, and instead of declarations, the Lord's kind of tuning me in to people, which was kind of weird to me. You know, I'm, I'm standing there, and I'm just like, Lord, give me the declaration. I'm ready. And then all of a sudden, I'm hearing this group next to me, this girl who had just gotten there and who said, I know the Lord wants me to be here in L.A. And they were talking. It, I don't know if it was a, a church group, a missions group. There, It wasn't big. There were maybe five or six of them. And I, I, I didn't want to, like, totally eavesdrop, but I was hearing what they were saying. And then I'd walk to another section and, and I'd be standing, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Give me the declaration. And, and then somebody else would be there and I would notice them. I'd notice this family or this couple. And that happened throughout my whole time there. And then the Lord said, go ahead and leave. And I'm like, I didn't declare anything. What do you mean leave? He said, go ahead and leave. He said, I want to take you some other places. And so we drove down and he, he took me up to the Hollywood sign. And again, each it, it wasn't about noticing the things. It was about noticing the people. And if you know anything about the Hollywood Hills, um, they're super small like really hard if you have a car coming the opposite way. It's like good luck with that. You know, you got to pull over somehow and move around. And, and I'm following this car up that had had to be half a million dollar car, a Lamborghini. And the guy did not know how to drive it. It was a stick and, you know, he'd kind of, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm following him up, and but then I'm just kind of noticing him. It was either he and his girlfriend or he and his wife, and because and, they went up to the sign as well and parked. And it's like they weren't really interested in the sign. They were more interested of getting selfies with the car. And so I'm noticing all these things, and the Lord starts laying on my heart, these are real people. I need you to see that. I need you to see... Why I delay. Why sometimes things take longer than it may seem. Because these are real people. 
They're real people that don't know Him. But nevertheless, they're real people. They're His creation. They're people that perhaps are so deceived, they never even thought about creation or anything else. So I left that place. He takes me down through Beverly Hills. Takes me through all these houses. Took me specifically to Madonna's house. And I thought, certainly you're going to have me declare something here. I'm kind of thankful he didn't have me get out. He did have me say some things in the car, but, but again, it wasn't about the area. It was about the people. As I'm driving through, you know, people are outside on their lawn. People are walking their dog down the street. You know, life is happening. So I went back to the hotel, and I was about five blocks off the beach, and he said, I want you to go down to the beach. Go down to the, I was right near Santa Monica Pier, if you know what that is. A big place, amusement park, you know, all that stuff, a tourist attraction. Now, it is winter there, so it's not, you know, uh, super crowded. Although, I mean, there was still a lot of people, and even on the beach, it was cold, but there were a lot of people on the beach. He said, go down to the beach. I went down to the beach, and the sunset was beautiful, and I'm thinking, oh, he wants me to see the sunset. No, I want you to look at the people. I see this family that's down there, and this, this was Valentine's Day. And this family, and there were a lot of couples and whatever down there, but there was this family that was just sitting there watching the sunset, a Hispanic family, just hugging on each other, loving each other, excited to be together. You know, I, I, I don't know what all they were talking about or anything, but he wanted me to see his heart for people. Because when His justice is implemented, we've got to understand that. We've got to understand the delay and why He delays. We've got to understand that although His holiness requires that justice, what happens to people is not His will. His will is that they would come to know Him. His will is for the hearts of His creation. It's never been any different. It's always been that. He's had me declare in many places. Right? The first one was Stonehenge. And he, you guys have all heard that story. He took me there. I, I wasn't even on my way there. I was in Germany and all of a sudden I'm finding myself in London because of a plane situation. And then he says, go to Stonehenge, I want you to declare. I went there, I declared. He didn't show me the people there. He said, I want you to go to Zuma Rock outside of Abuja. I did the same thing. Michael came with me on that one. Again, God didn't show me the people there. And I declared. 
And, and these declarations were for his justice. They were declarations against the enemy. Knowing full well that there is going to be collateral damage on that. It's not just that the enemy dies. Please understand the weight and gravity of this. The next one was Washington, D.C., and I've shared all that with you. The entire court team, he took us down to Washington to have declaration over Washington and over the governmental federal leadership of this country. And then that next one was L.A., Probably three years ago or two years ago, something like that, God spoke to me and said that there are three cities that have a target on their back. He told me it was Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, and New York City. So he hasn't sent me to New York yet, but I'm kind of expecting that that's coming. But again, this time he needed me to see that this isn't just about declaration of His justice. Yes, that's the physical manifestation of what happens, but He needed me to feel His heart. That's not His desire, guys. It's not His desire. The holiness of who He is requires it, but it's not His desire. His desire is that a world would turn. His desire is that we would come seeking His face. His justice comes when we do not. And that brings us to the, this thought of revival. All of you know of what's going on in Asbury. Anybody not heard of that? Okay, you need to go on social media. <laughs> Asbury is a college. Is it in Kentucky? Okay. Asbury is a college where it's a Christian college where they have a chapel. And this one chapel, this young man stood up in chapel and he began to repent. He began to share things that he wanted changed in his life. I don't think he was asked to do it. I think he just did it. But it released a spirit in that place that what we see now is the result of that. We see hearts that were yearning for God, yearning for the Lord. And, and if you go on... on Social media, and for that matter, TV, it was, it was, it's been all over Fox News about revival happening in Asbury and that it's breaking out in other places. Now, by the way, this shouldn't surprise you. This is what God promised, <laughs> right? He has promised that revival is coming all over. It kind of breaks my heart, though, how people are reacting to this. And the reactions go the full gambit, you know, from good to bad, whatever. 
part of what hurts me in this reaction are people that are analyzing it and judging whether it's revival or not. You know, I guess unless you go there, that isn't your right to even judge or even to know. In fact, from here, that isn't our place to judge. Now, I can say that my God is good. And is he drawing those people in? You better believe he is. Is his name lifted up? You better believe it is. Do I want to see it happen more? Do I want to see it happen all over the country and the world? You better believe I do. And it's going to. So don't talk bad about that. Really what that shows me is people that want to escape their own accountability. Because if you look at something that you aren't aware of anything going on anyways because you're not there, and you bring a judgment on that, well, if you do that, then maybe you're not held accountable for what it could mean. And I'm not indicting anybody in particular, because honestly, it's all throughout social media. You know, going down and reading some of the reactions to it, I'm like, man, alive, guys. Can you not worry about Asbury and start worrying about your own church? Start worrying about your own situation, your own college. Start praying for that. Let, let, let them seek the Lord. They'll find the Lord because He promised that. So often, revival is squashed from the outside. You know, I I can only imagine the heart of the person leading that as it became known. You know, even even Tucker Carlson wanted to go there to to just see it, experience it, and report on it. And and the guy said, you know, Tucker, we love you, but we're going to ask you not to because we're not looking for the fame of it. We, we don't want it to become some sort of sideshow. We're here seeking the Father and seeking through His Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. And that is the reality of God changing hearts. That's the reality of that. It's not about Kentucky. It's not about Asbury. It's about seeking his heart. And understanding what revival really is. I was sitting with the Lord this morning and asking him about that. You know, he has promised revival. He has promised this end time harvest of a billion souls. You know, what does that mean, Lord? What what does that revival mean? Is there something going on in Asbury or other places that we're missing? You know, is there something in the day of Azusa that was going on there that couldn't go on in New York City? The answer is no. Because it wasn't about the place. 
It was about a contrite heart. It was about a willingness to seek him beyond anything else. And so I looked up the word revival. I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'll get some insight in seeing what Webster has to say about revival. And and it was really not helpful at all. (laughs) An actor instance of reviving. Well, thank you. That was insightful. The state of being revived didn't help anymore. Renewed attention to or interest in something. A new presentation or publication of something old. And then I thought this was interesting. Actually, in Webster's definition, a period of renewed religious interest. (laughs) Please, let me tell you guys, this has nothing to do with religious interest. In fact, it has nothing to do with religion at all. A highly, an often highly emotional evangelistic meeting or series of meetings. Okay, well, you know what, let's back off that. And let's just look up the root word, to revive. What does it mean to revive? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> to restore to consciousness of life. To restore from a depressed, inactive, or unused state. To bring back. To renew in the mind or memory. To basically take something that is dead and make it alive. That's revival. And so I I said, Lord, that's what Webster thinks revival is. What is revival to you? What does it mean to you when we talk of revival? And he took me to the book of Isaiah. I want you to turn there. Isaiah chapter 57. He took me here and gave me an understanding of what revival means to him. Isaiah 57 verse, we're going to start. Toward the end of verse 11. Have I not held my peace even for a long time and you do not fear me? By the way, the word fear there is to honor, to stand in awe, to pay homage. It's it's not to be afraid of. It's not what he's saying. It's the recognition of who He is as the Creator God. So again, I'm going to read it again. Have I not held my peace even for a long time and you do not fear me? I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, but they will not profit you. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. He's talking about those things that get us through life. Don't just think that an idol is something that was carved or, or made and then worshipped. An idol is something that you put before God. That takes place before the place that should be His. So he says, when you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. The wind will carry them all off. 
a breath will take them all away. But he who takes refuge in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. Verse 14. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle from my people's way. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. Listen to the next phrase. To revive the spirit of the lowly. And to revive the heart of the contrite. Those words there. Hold on, let me pull them up. The word contrite in the Hebrew means crushed. Or under destruction. Those spirits who are crushed. The word lowly there means depressed, humbled, to be lowered. See, what God is saying here is those who seek Him with those hearts those contrite and lowly hearts, those who seek Him will find Him. He will come and He will revive their spirit. He will lift them up. He will show them truth. They will recognize that God is not just some being that is out of our reach, but that His love bridges a gap that allows us relationship with Him. Not relationship through a priest. Not relationship through somebody else. But a relationship direct. And one-on-one. God's idea of revival is not about a place. It's about a heart posture. So often we look at revival and, and like a lot of things that we do in the church, we look at it myopically. Well, revival is, you know, there's healing and, and revival is when people are laid out on the ground and, and, and when, when everybody's kind of, you know, it's all this spiritual stuff's going on. Well, that's revival. No, I mean, it can be, absolutely, but... It's not just that. Revival, literally, as we just read it, is to revive a heart. To revive a heart. I'll tell you what. Revival happened at Ignition years ago. When did revival happen in my heart? Revival in my heart happened eight or nine years ago. When I sought Him, when I went after Him with everything that I am, 
That was revival in my own life. Most of you have a story just like that. When he became more important than the world. He became more important than anything else. See, that was revival in your life. That was taking a contrite and lowly heart and filling it and bringing it to a place of filling. Now, the reality is we conflate two things. We think of revival and we conflate it with the harvest. Only because it would make sense. Right? That's kind of what happened at Azusa. That, that's what happened in all these different places. So we keep waiting for that to happen. And, and by the way, it's going to. Those manifestations are going to happen. They're going to happen here. They're going to happen throughout the world. I am not downing those. Please let me be clear and please understand me. What I'm trying to get you to recognize is that revival is not just the manifestation of that. Revival actually started a couple of years ago. Because revival first starts on the battlefield. It starts on the battlefield. It starts on the battlefield of land. It starts on the battlefield of hearts. Because when a remnant of His people wanted Him so much, He rose up warriors that were willing to jump on that battlefield in unity and begin going against the enemy. That's been happening. The Lord has been preparing the ground for the very manifestation that we've been waiting for. And it's coming. I can't wait. I'm so excited for what's going on in Asbury. I'm so excited when I see that I, there was another, another university that I read about. I can't remember the name of it that, that it's happening in as well. In Tennessee. I, I'm just so excited. I can't. Well, I hope it breaks out in all the universities. But, but Lord, please don't stop with the universities. I don't want to have to re-enlist in school. <laughs> but you know what? He's going to break it out where the hearts are ready for him. Where the the hearts are ready for battle. He's shown us a very different picture, guys. Because what is being brought to him? Those who are broken. Those who want him, but find themselves battling an enemy that they don't know how to fight. That's why he raises up warriors to fight alongside them. To fight for them. It's coming. In fact, I want you, you took me another place this morning. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 42. Remember, revival is about his justice. 
Revival is about the turning point in those battlegrounds that bring that contrite heart. Chapter 42 of Isaiah, beginning at verse 1, says, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in all the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Guys, I want to clue you in on something here. He's not talking about Jesus. Jesus already paid that price. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about His remnant that will stand up. That He will pour His Spirit out upon. That will see the families, see the people in the places where heavy declaration will be made. Because His intent is not to even break a reed. Or bruise a reed, I think it says, and break a stick. But His intent is for the body of Christ to be filled with His Holy Spirit. To bring the very revival that is intended to lift up those hearts who do not know how to be lifted up. He's calling on you guys. He's calling on me. He's calling on the remnant body of Christ. To recognize that you are a vessel. It's not supposed to be about what you receive. And and I know that's normal. I know that's normal to think. I I go to church. I I need to receive. and, And what God's trying to teach you, specifically, especially here at Ignition... He's trying to teach you that you are raised and called to something different. You've been taught the battlefield for a reason. Because His revival is coming. And that is to take land. To take from the enemy. All those families that I saw, those people that I saw, I kept praying for every one of them under such heavy deception that they don't even know the God who created them, the God who offers Himself to them. They don't even know Him. They don't even think to try to know Him. Because especially in that town, the influence has been so heavy from the enemy for decades. For decades and decades. So do you understand the declaration and the fight is for their sake? 
and for the sake of the bride. That's what you're called to here at Ignition. That's what you're called to. Soon enough, these doors will open. And they will no longer just trickle in. Soon enough, these doors will open. And God will bring us those who in their hearts, in their spirit, seek Him, but they don't know it in the physical. And what they're going to be faced with is a spirit move of the Holy Spirit. He moves through His people. He moves through His people that say yes, that give Him yes every day. Man, expect revival. Expect it here. Here in, I was going to say Newark, but technically we're out then. Here in this area. Expect it everywhere that you are. Expect to be used. Man, I look forward to it because, I mean, God has promised a lot of things. We've been waiting for His, His power to descend. We talked about it last week, about the, the Greek word epi, where the Holy Spirit de- descends upon and envelops. He's promised that, and we wait for that. I look forward to the day when we pray over somebody, and it's immediate. That's coming. There is no lack of faith here. There is no lack of faith. We will step where He says step. Boy, have we proven that. Have we proven that. As, as some trickle in here, what happens? This, this love envelope just kind of envelops them. Right? I mean, that, that's what's happened the last couple of weeks. It just envelops them. He's getting you ready. He's getting us all ready. Because the doors are going to open. And they are going to flood in. Why? Because... The revival has already started. The taking of ground has already started. The breaking of deception has already started. It started in the court of nations, what, two and a half years ago or whatever it was. The enemy no longer has the right. It's been decided in the courts. Now, Our position has changed from a courtroom position to a position of enforcement. You ever want to be a policeman? Guess what? You are. In the Spirit, you are called to enforce what has been decided in His court. To enforce over those who don't know how. To enforce over those who have been nothing but beat up. That's why revival is here. I can't wait for the manifestations to break out because they accompany it. His healing. Man, I've seen visions of arms growing out. I I told you a few weeks ago, uh, I I thought it was going to happen that morning that 
that somebody would be wheeled in in a wheelchair while I was preaching. And literally, the Lord told me in my vision, stop preaching, deal with that. And I had him come up and, and, and I said, in full faith, I will believe. Even though in my life it has never happened like that. It's happened on small scales. But the fact that an arm has not grown out that I've prayed over doesn't diminish my faith. For everyone that I pray, I am that much closer to the epi of His Holy Spirit. Because the healing is not me. The healing is Him. The faith is me. I can only give Him what I can give Him, and that is faith. You can only give Him what you could give Him, and that's your faith. That's why, my goodness, if the Lord tells you to pray over somebody and you, well, Lord, you know, I prayed over a thousand people and nothing's happened. So what? Your job isn't to make it happen. (laughs) Your job is to pray and give faith. So pray and give faith. Because at some point that epi happens. And what the Holy Spirit does through you will bring arms back. We'll bring people in a, in a chair up. It will happen. It's going to happen. But I'll tell you what, that cannot be the focus. It can't. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, but it is for the purpose of relationship. If it was solely for the purpose of people being healed then why isn't this world different after Azusa? Or after the Isle of Lewis? For that matter, why isn't this world different after Jesus? It's because it's not about the healing. The healing is to lift a burden that the enemy brought. But the purpose is to draw them to Jesus Christ. The purpose is relationship with Him. The purpose is an intimate understanding of your Creator. The purpose is learning His voice. You know, the Lord talks to me all the time. We have conversations all the time. I'm no different than you. God didn't decide in His creation of Greg, well, I'm going to let Him hear my voice. No. It was my yes. Because it's offered to all His children. Callings might be different. What He has us do might be different. Relationship is no different. Every single one of us have the same opportunity in relationship with Him. But it's a process. It's like any other thing. Relationship is a process. It's not, Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as Savior. I'm now saved. I now have relationship with the Lord. I'm sorry, but that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The marriage certificate between my wife and I did not give us relationship. It gave us commitment. We're committed to each other. On paper, we are committed to each other. The relationship part had to be built. 
It had to be me giving 100%, her giving 100%, into building this intimacy together of knowing who each other is. Now, in the sake of relationship with the Lord, it's a little bit easier because he already knows who you are. He created you. He knows everything about you. In fact, the more you get to know him in relationship, the more you're going to learn about yourself. Kind of works that way. But he is the prize, not revival. He is the prize. And what he's doing with his bride right now is bringing about this revival. You're going to see it break out more and more all over the world. You're going to see pieces. And sadly, you're going to see others try and tear it down. They won't be able to because this is something Satan can't stop. If they stop one or whatever they try and do, it's going to break out another place. I was praying, I can't, I can't remember when it was, yesterday maybe, I, I can't remember when I was praying this but, or declaring this, but I had this picture of these fields that were so dry, these wheat fields and grass fields that were just yellow and dry, and there were little matches just being thrown what does a little match do in a dry field? Ignite. Yeah, it does. And if you put one out over here, guess what? Another pops over here. Why? Because out of that first one, you have these embers that go and fly out. That's, that's what a forest fire does. That's how a forest fire grows. You have this ember that the wind takes it and it puts it over here and now it starts a new fire over here. Oh man, praise God for Asbury. Because they're putting out embers. <laughs> Their embers going to a dry land. They're going to a parched place. If it's not happening where you are, don't feel like you're being left out. Lord, what about us? You're not. The revival has started. Just seek Him and be prepared. Be prepared. Unify your hearts. I know our hearts here are unified together. We wait for the day that he opens up those doors. <laughs> One day you may long for him to kind of close them a little bit. You know, Lord, close the, give us, yeah, give us a couple days to take a breath. And I say that facetiously. Because these fires are going to burn. When I had the vision of that field, and these people trying to put it out. It was actually kind of funny. You know, when, when you go to step on fire, what happens? When you step on it, right, it, the air actually kicks the embers out. And every time they stepped on it, it would just light it, light it, light it. So it, so it was like the more they were trying to start, stop it, the more it was lighting. So... Lord, use those people to try and stop it. And the foolishness of their feet trying to stomp it out is going to make it grow. I declare it in Jesus' name. I can't wait. I can't wait. We're seeing it now. We have been waiting for this for years, guys. Be excited 
I'm excited. I can't wait. Do you know how long we've been praying for the University of Delaware? Okay, so it's happening at universities? Great. We've been praying for the University of Delaware for a long time now. Just ask John. We, we, we had a prayer walk there for years. I, oh, good night. I started our prayer walk when we were a college ministry back in, I think, 2013. Right, right around there, 2013, beginning of 2014. No, it was 2013. And we started doing prayer walks every month to the University of Delaware. And, and of course, I had no idea at the time what it meant to take land, what it meant, meant to declare, what it meant to fight the spiritual influence that was there that had to be defeated first. Guess what? It's been defeated. Doesn't mean there are no bad spiritual forces, but there's no organization because when you cut the head off, the tail's not really sure what to do, but they could still fight. University of Delaware is ripe for it. They're ripe for it. Believe it. Stand in unity with me. We declare it in Jesus' name. I mean, it kind of makes sense that it would start in a Christian college. Oh, man. It won't make sense when it starts in the University of Delaware. I mean, literally, do you know what Delaware is known as? I mean, aside from stupid, stupid what it's known for Biden right now. But yeah, yeah, it's like one of the top party schools in the nation. Okay, you know what that means to me? That means there's passion there. It might be directed the wrong way, but there's passion. So we're going to stand in unity that that passion be directed toward Jesus Christ. The very thing that those students are looking for and have no idea that they're looking for. You want to change the state? Well, it's no wonder God starts with the youth. And Alex, you can come on up. It's no wonder he starts with the youth. So believe for this. Be excited what God's doing. And, and it is interesting because literally the Lord laid it on my heart just as I'm preaching up here. But let's keep in prayer over the University of Delaware. That God ignites something there. I mean, we're not that far from it. Right? We have access there. We just pray that God does his work. Yeah. Yeah, for for those of you online that didn't yeah. hear that, the uh Carson was saying one of the last times they prayed over there, the Lord showed through Brooke that it was ready. It's ready, it's ripe for that. And so, yeah, I, I stand in agreement. I know the University of Delaware is ripe. And, man, I want it to break out before classes stop. Man, do, do, not, do not let the enemy postpone it until, you know, June or whatever. And we have to wait for, for fall. Man, Father, I pray right now over the University of Delaware that you break out revival right there to the point where students don't even go home. They don't even leave for the summer. That your spirit has such a move there 
that it's not even about the university anymore. But it's about your power and the unity of your bride. We stand in unity for this and we pray it in Jesus' name. It's going to be quite a thrill to see what God does. Um, When he was talking about personal revival testimonies, the Lord just flooded me with the day that my heart was revived from a place of deadness that I didn't even know I had. And what's interesting about the kind of revival that God that God's definition is, is one that can be sustained. It's kind of like the marriage example that he gave. You can always have your, your amazing romantic moments and fun trips or times when you feel so connected and so on the same page. But what God's looking for with us is a relationship that's sustained. And one of the things that I have loved as God's been in the center is a marriage that is sustained that doesn't need the super high highs to offset the super low lows. There's just a constant because it's in him. And like he said, there's, it's so much better in Christ because obviously the groom, in our case, uh, being the bride, our groom is absolutely perfect. Um, you know, here we deal with, with flawed humans, but filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it is a sustaining place of, um, of a beautiful relationship. And so when God revived my heart, the next thing that happened was testing my resolve because I was cooperating with everything when I was feeling his presence. I mean, it was glorious. And I love it when he brings his presence to me every time I love his presence. But what he began to teach me is, do you love me? And are you all in without it? The, the test of my resolve was the willingness to say, take the world, but give me Jesus. The willingness to be flexible at the slightest moment of his asking of me to be obedient in something that wasn't convenient. And the first big one, you've heard my testimony, was stepping and going to Nigeria. Because it was just so far out of the world of my ever willingness to do anything like that. Um, But as I said yes, and he tested my resolve of that revived place, it's like it became something that he was sustaining. And so now as I rise to give him praise, as I rise to, and every moment now of every day, recognizing that when I take a breath in, it is his breath in my lungs. Those aren't just words to a song. It's a real thing. In every moment of every situation, to know that I can talk to him, I can get wisdom from him, I can, I can share something that's frustrating or emotional or well, Lord, you know, that's great, but, you know, tell me who I am again. You know, t- like, like little, little moments where you're vulnerable and you just need a, a hug. You know, you can have that with Jesus all the time. It is so beautiful. And so now he's been introducing things of, he'll always challenge our faith. He'll always test our faith. But as we see the things happening in the world, he's like, are you ready for me to be totally, completely in charge? He started doing that with my teaching, with my preaching. And the first time that it became, um, I hate the word organic, but it was, I guess that's the word I'll use. He was, he's been teaching me to trust him that he will fill my mouth. And I'm an, you know, a really outline, make notes kind of a person. And uh, one, one of the times many, many months ago now, but I remember I showed up for the, the women's class and I started teaching and I looked down and I thought, huh, I didn't, even, I didn't even make notes. It was so bizarre. I was just teaching 
filled with the revelation that he gave me. And I had no notes. And I, it almost interrupted my thought because I was like, this is awesome. I mean, what's going on here? It didn't mean that he wasn't going to give me notes at other times. But he showed me, see? See the result? See the result of trusting me. And, and so I guess the question is in the growth of our faith is don't wait for the external, amazing, palpable experience that God's giving you and will give you and does give you. Ask yourself, am, am I holding loosely the things of this world so that he can really be in charge? Am I really ready at any moment? What would it look like in a schedule way for his spirit to fall and this service not end? until next Sunday. What would that look like? I'm sure he would allow us to use the facilities and maybe, you know, it gets some food and things like that. You know, these services that are not ending. God's a very practical God. He knows our needs. But how many of us would go, oh, okay, you have no idea what I have booked. Lord, I mean, you know my appointments. You know my schedule. You know my job. You know. And I don't have an answer for that. But it's something to think about, isn't it? And it's easy to say, well, I mean, when his spirit falls, I mean, you know, but, but if that happened, I mean, that would be so different. Really? I don't know about you, but his spirit has fallen on me. His spirit has fallen on a few services that, I mean, we had a plan, and he turned it right upside down. And I had a plan to go to bed one night, and we ended up five, six hours all night long in a deliverance. And the whole church rallied and came and got in our basement, and we, you know, we, we just warred and worshipped and declared scripture and this girl got delivered and it was a, it was an ongoing battle and it was like but the lord totally recouped our sleep he totally he just provided for our needs so what does it look like to give god complete charge of of things you even think you need because if that yes is not there um well let me not not even finish that and tell you what i said to the ladies before i close in prayer yes holy spirit will fall and his power will fall, and these things will fall. But to the degree and extent that I host and embody as a dwelling place what the end of Ephesians 2 says, the Lord Jesus, that will depend on the degree to which I make room for him with my yes. It's really that simple. Will everyone be able to experience his presence when it's resting on a church or an area or a college or a university? Yes. But when I want to walk as the embodiment of Jesus, truly being his hands and feet, truly filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that yes, is in our spirit sealed, but I'm talking about in a manifest way, it will be to the degree with which he has room. Because I still, he will always give me free will to say no. Or to say, well, I'll give you that, but not this. I'll give you that much. But I can't give you all of it because, I mean, you know, Lord, that I need that. And we try to tell God what we need rather than say, Lord, thank you. What do I need? What do I need? Or, or help me to relinquish a need I think I have because I know you're telling me this, but I have no idea how that's going to work out. And believe me, he's put me now in so many situations after he revived my heart. Why? To teach me how to sustain a revived heart. To sustain a constant place of revival. Why have revivals dried up? I mean, I did an in-depth study on the uh, Isle of Lewis, the Hebrews revival. I mean, it just moved me. In fact, the presence of the Holy Spirit rocked me to the floor listening to the testimonies of the old, old recordings 
that came out of that place. I, I thought, what is happening in my house right now? I was literally, the, the Holy Spirit's power was upon me in my research of that revival. And yet I thought, how did it not get sustained? How? God's given so many opportunities to people. He's looking for a yes that will sustain the revival till he comes. And I think he's found it. I think hearts are ready. They're poised. But that's really what it is. It's, it's, it's that readiness to just be like, what in the world are we here for? I mean, really. Are we here to live and move and have our being in, in our jobs and in our this and our that? Everything that God's called us into has had meaning and purpose, but it's for the kingdom. And when Jesus was a carpenter, he was not wasting his time. He was doing his job, but he knew who he was, and it was for kingdom purposes. So it doesn't mean everybody has to quit their jobs. I mean, who knows? That might be a factor in some things. Some, some people he will call them to. But some people he will send filled with himself to their jobs so that the people there will be wrecked on the floor. It's not about the individual callings, as Greg said. It's about the yes you have to not limit him based on what you think you need to do because of what might be impossible to try to step out into. So I'm excited, too. And God is good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. God, I just worship you. I praise you, God. And I, I just want to tell you that I believe with my whole heart that what you are pouring out upon the earth, upon this nation, it will bring in the greatest move of your spirit that has never yet ever even been seen by man. And I cannot wait for it. I just declare I believe that in the name of Jesus. And I ask for it. God, I thank you for just little tiny drops of, of samplings of it that you've given me in my own life, God, that you've given others. And God, we just, you are the prize. You are the prize, God. We don't, I won't run after the high, but I will always, always seek the most high, the most high God. If you are not the prize, everything will fade and pale, certainly eventually. So, God, I, I know you're looking, you're looking for, for people that you will be able to say, I found faith upon the earth. Oh, God, let that be us in our yes, that there be nothing more important, no other considerations to be made of life, schedule, people's opinions, circumstances, even past failures, impossible things in front of us. God, you are bigger, better, greater, stronger than the enemy. And so, God, I just pray that we would soak that in and get that revelation today as we anticipate with expectancy everything that you desire to do. May your will be done on the earth as you have planned it in heaven. In the name of Jesus, amen.